Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Discipline. I'm quoting here. This is not about discipline. This is about making sure we're keeping our personnel safe. That's been our entire focus. That quote is from Roger Goodell, commissioner of the NFL, who had a big chance, a big hanging curveball right down the pipe that he could have hit out of the park as it related to the Tennessee Titans and he's not even going to take a swing at it. He's going to look at strike three. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. And this, the newly reborn DK Sports Radio Podcasting Network. This portion of Daily Shots always brought to you by one downtown business or another. We're offering advertising on DK Sports Radio to downtown businesses who need help between now and and all through the Christmas season. Wiener World Pittsburgh is located at the corner of Smithfield Street and Strawberry Way. Can't miss it. Giant red neon sign. Famous mural of Andrew Carnegie and Andy Warhol on the side of the building above it. Some of the best hot dogs in town. Best thin-cut fries you'll find anywhere. One-pound fish sandwich, ice cream, They're open Monday through Friday from 10 to 5, waiting for your business and ready to serve. Go say hello to our friend Denny down there and everyone else at Wiener World. Steelers and Titans will line up Sunday at 1.02 p.m. Eastern down in Nashville. And it became clear yesterday, although it hasn't been made official, that the league will be doing absolutely nothing, well, close to nothing, about the Titans' recklessness and irresponsibility in the early portion of the season that caused games, practices uh, to get moved, canceled, including obviously this one against the Steelers, which should have been played three weeks ago. More important than that, It caused a lot of people to get sick. Between September 24 and now, the Titans returned 24 positive tests for coronavirus, 13 players and 11 team personnel. 
This didn't happen by accident. This didn't happen because, oh no, we just were unlucky. This happened, according to the NFL's own now-completed investigation, because the Titans violated protocol, meaning they were going all through their facility without masks where they were supposed to have masks, uh, congregating where they weren't supposed to be, meeting outside the facility out in the parking lot and talking to each other without masks. These are all things that weren't supposed to happen. The Titans themselves did nothing about this. Mike Vrabel did nothing about this. The most damning thing to come from this, obviously, were the group practices. There were players, several players, including Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, like their main guys, getting together on a field of a small college, thinking nobody was going to see them. Meanwhile, in this day and age, everybody's carrying around a phone with a camera and everything else. And they were running through drills, like seven-on-seven drills, everything but blocking. The day after, the day after, Troy Vincent to the NFL office expressly instructed Mike Vrabel to not allow any such thing. So the NFL does its investigation. It takes a few days. They find things that weren't so flattering about the Titans. But they ultimately reach the conclusion that the Titans really didn't do that much wrong. That players didn't get enough warning from their coaching staff about not being allowed to go out and conduct their own practices and stuff like that. So there will be no punishment. They're, they're talking now about how there's going to be a fine. And I'm presuming it won't be anything against the players since the NFL has clearly made up its mind to absolve the players. I am not a conspiracy theorist. I just, I'm not one of those. I could watch JFK forward and backward and just sit there and shake my head through the whole thing at virtually every conspiracy that Oliver Stone raises. I'm just, I'm not that guy. However, this stinks. Not because I think the Steelers should have gotten a forfeit or because the Steelers should be playing against half of the Titans this week if they were all suspended, especially Tannehill and Henry. Not from any Homerish perspective. Because I didn't ever expect that stuff to happen. But to take this situation and just sweep it under the rug because the Titans are 5-0? and I don't know. I mean, you tell me, because the Titans have the best running back in football, uh, arguably the hottest quarterback in football. I'm not going to suggest that Tannehill's the best, but Tannehill's been maybe the most efficient. And you think the league, this league, that is so, so conscious and aware of TV ratings and perception and everything else is going to basically shut this team down. Because that's what happens if you suspend Tannehill, Henry, any of those guys who were out at that college practice. And I just can't see this league 
being that gutsy. I can't see this particular commissioner being that gutsy. And they completely turtled in the end. They ended up accommodating the Titans. They've accommodated every team that's produced positives, including the one, and I underscore one, that was so reckless, so irresponsible, that it allowed an actual outbreak to persist where there were positive tests day after day after day after day, as opposed to getting it under control and following orders and listening back when they were not asked, when they were told. And you know what? The next time it happens in the NFL, the league's going to have no choice but to do the same thing, and just bend over backwards accommodate the team that blew it. That's what they've done here with the Titans. When we come back, more football, um, actual football related to this actual game. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome back. On to actual football. On to... The Steelers facing the actual Titans, including their top guys. That, of course, is headlined by Derrick Henry, who is the NFL's best running back. I can't imagine that there's even a decent debate to have on that particular subject. He's 6'3", 247. Uh, He comes at you like a tank. He wears you down. Defenses don't generally have an answer for him because they don't generally have enough players that can withstand being bludgeoned by him for the better part of three hours. This portion of Daily Shot is brought to you by the personal injury law firm of Luxembourg, Garbett, Kelly, and George. They represent people who are hurt in car accidents, who need help with workers' comp, who filed medical malpractice claims. LGKG has been AV rated. That's the highest rating a law firm can receive for legal ability and ethics. And they've also been designated as super lawyers. That's with a capital S and a capital L for over 15 years. That is a rare combination in that industry. LGKG has offices in Cranberry, Newcastle, Beaver Falls, Butler, and Elwood City. And you can learn more at lgkg.com or by calling 888-842-5454. Henry is going to do something to the Steelers that hurts them. He's not going to be held in check the way we saw with Saquon Barkley. Uh, back in week one, and the way the Steelers have held, really, if you think about it, everybody else other than one long run that Miles Sanders 
broke from the Eagles a couple weeks ago. Uh, that's it. The Steelers have just nullified opponents running games, now ranking second in the league in rush defense. Henry, though, doesn't come with too many counters. He's averaging 4.8 yards a carry. Uh, he leads the league with 588 yards. He has six touchdowns this past week. If you didn't see the highlights, uh, these numbers aren't going to do it justice, but he ran the ball 22 times for 212 yards, uh, popped a massive touchdown there at the end, just broke through the line and just sprinted like a like a track star away from the Houston secondary. And I'm underscoring secondary because this is a very, very large man who's just out-sprinting these DBs like they were nothing. Uh, it, it, it was something to behold, and it was the kind of moment, given that the Steelers were playing the Titans next, that I, I was almost instantly looking forward to Mike Tomlin's Tuesday assessment of the opponent just to hear what he had to say about Henry. And lo and behold, he didn't disappoint. Um, the Tennessee Titans is a group that runs the ball and runs the ball with Henry, and they run the ball with Henry repeatedly at you. And so um, not only do we have to stop the run initially, but this is a guy that averages about 25 carries a game. So regardless of how the game is going, you better be prepared to answer that element of the challenge over the course of the game. Um, he wears you down. He, he's capable, and they're capable of winning by attrition. Uh, as you saw last week, he's also big play capable. It's really astounding that a, a back his size is capable of, of going to the house just about every time he touches it. Over the course of the last 10 or 12 games, dating back to last year, this guy's got a highlight reel of, of big runs unlike which I have never seen uh, over that type of a time span. So, you know, a lot is written and said about his size, his stiff arm, his power, uh, and those things, and all of those things are true. Um, but um, the damage that he does when he gets in open space, um, that he's able to couple those attributes with sprinter speed uh, is just ridiculous. So uh, we got a full, full day's work ahead of us. Uh, in Nashville, trying to minimize his impact on the game. Doesn't sound like he can be stopped, huh? It almost comes across as if, hey, you know, we're just going to try to stop the passing game because we can't possibly stop that running back. Now, come on, you know that's not the case. You know that's not how the Steelers think. You know that Tomlin and Keith Butler jointly, and before them, Dick LeBeau, and most every defensive coach at every level of football, preaches one thing first and foremost, you have to take away the run. Have to stop the run. Have to stop the run. First, we stop the run. Hear it all the time from the Steelers guys. And that makes its way to the players. The Steelers, to their credit, again, have done that very, very well. And they've sacrificed other components to their defense at times when necessary, to do that. They will sell out to stop the run. They'll give you something else. But they're going to work, or at least try their best, to stop the run. I don't know if it'll come down to needing something as radical as, you might remember this 
a few years back when John Harbaugh in a game in Baltimore lined up the entire Ravens franchise at the line of scrimmage, basically just daring the Steelers to run Le'Veon Bell. He was going to let the Steelers beat him any which way, but he wasn't going to let Bell run. Actually, to correct myself here, he double-teamed, sometimes triple-teamed Antonio Brown and then stacked everybody else at the line of scrimmage. So it was going to be somebody other than A.B. or Left. And for the most part, he, he had some success with it. It's not something that you see very often. Uh, it's not something you see hardly ever from the Steelers. They will come up with the occasional gimmick, offense, gimmick, defense, for a specific opponent, meaning an individual. The way, for example, last year they blocked Aaron Donald, moving guys out of position, notably Matt Filer from right tackle to the inside because they wanted to double-team him with their best offensive lineman. Stuff like that. But I don't think you're going to see that Sunday in Nashville. I really don't. I the Steelers are going to have confidence in their defensive line in particular, but also Vince Williams, to shut down the run. They're going to have confidence in Bud Dupree and T.J. Watt to be able to seal the edge on rushes even as they're going after Tannehill. Bud has actually been better than TJ at this. And I never say that Bud's better than TJ at anything, but Bud is outstanding at sealing the edge on the run. He just doesn't let running backs get past him to that side. TJ's pretty good at it too. And since the Steelers are already a blitzing team, they're already coming back there hot and heavy as it is. I could see them seeing pass rush and sealing the run as being something that can be of a similar construction. I do think you're going to see them still keep coming. And I do think as a result, you're going to see Tannehill have his way, particularly on the short and intermediate routes. It's going to be frustrating at times. I think for fans watching the game going, "Uh uh-oh, secondary stinks again or whatever, or, man, they really missed Devin Bush. And and they might, and they might. Maybe the secondary will underperform again. Maybe they will miss Devin Bush. The Titans are going to move the ball, I think, through the air, and it's going to be a little unsettling. But the Steelers are going to – I was about to say sell out. They're not going to sell out. They're they're going to stay – Principally concerned with Henry. Take that to the bank. And I feel as though they have the people who can tackle him and who want to tackle him. And I say that in wrapping up this segment because if anybody watched that game carefully the other night between the Titans and the Texans, Defensive guys, some of them, not all of them, on that 1-5 Houston team, by the time this game got to the second half, wanted no part. No part 
of Derrick Henry. And you've seen that in the past in Pittsburgh with Jerome Bettis, where by the second half, teams were like, you know what, I am tired of tackling that guy. I'm sorry. Even though the game was tight, you saw defenders actually just waving with their arms or you know, letting him kind of turnstile his way past them. That won't happen with the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's a fun matchup. Just this part of it, never mind the whole game, just this part is fun. And for that, I'm almost, almost grateful that the NFL isn't doing anything about the Titans' mouthpiece. It's when we come back, an unusual hockey topic. care about the Chicago Blackhawks any more than you do. But they sure did something interesting that caught the attention of the whole NHL community in sending out a letter to their season ticket holders that basically announced that they're about to go through a rebuilding period. This isn't new to the NHL. The Vancouver Canucks did it a couple years ago with the retirement of the Sedin Twins. The New York Rangers did it in a market where they generally don't like to hear that sort of thing. They're not used to that. New York, we don't rebuild in New York. You never rebuild in New York. But both the Canucks and the Rangers um, in different ways and for different reasons have have rebounded primarily with younger players. Uh, Vancouver mostly had their guys kind of intact. They knew it was there with Elias Pettersson and Brock Besser. The Rangers had a couple of guys, but they've also, you know, they've drafted. Kapokaka came as a number two overall pick. and And now, of course, they just won the lottery to get Alexi Lafreniere. And they're going to be really good for a long time. And now all of a sudden everybody's looking at those letters that those teams wrote. And they were mocked pretty severely at the time. And so eh, that's not maybe such a bad idea. So the Blackhawks, who are maybe the team that gets the most cited as an example of don't ever let your championship star core stick around too long. They made a couple moves already. Uh, Stan Bowman, their general manager, in uh, trading Corey Crawford, who'd been the goalie there forever, including their cup years. Brandon Saad, who'd been there twice, the, the, the Pittsburgh kid, of course. And that drew a pretty nasty rebuke uh, publicly from Jonathan Taves, Mr. Super Leader, the team captain, who who went publicly and told a Chicago reporter that uh, the Blackhawks players, the core guys, are, are, are ticked, that they've had enough. Taves further said, I've never been told that we were going through a rebuild. This has never been communicated to me, for that matter. A lot of this comes as a shock. Now, the, the Hawks, for anybody who forgot this, upset the Edmonton Oilers in the preliminary round of this past playoffs, just like uh, 
the Canadians were the bottom seed in the East and upset the number five Penguins. The Hawks were the number 12 seed in the other conference and upset the number five Oilers. And it was seen as like, hey, maybe the Hawks are really kind of coming along, even though a lot of their goals were scored by Taves and Patrick Kane and the usual guys. Well, Bowman didn't take this lying down. Bowman puts together this letter uh, that's not signed, by the way, except it just says signed by Chicago Blackhawks, and it's it opens with a message to Blackhawks fans. We've recently said goodbye to a couple of popular two-time champions and acquired some new players via trade and free agency. We understand it was tough to see those respected veterans go and realize you may have some questions about our direction. We'd like to address that direction and share why we're hopeful for the future of Blackhawks hockey. We're committed to developing younger players and rebuilding our roster. We know that what comes next must be more than just words, and that inspires us. Now, they're not saying in here, well, we're really getting rid of Taves and Kane now and everything else, but they might. It sounds like they'd be open to it, maybe not before the season. But it sounds like they'd sure listen. If the Penguins sent out a letter like this, I know that's what you've been thinking about the whole time. If the Penguins sent out a letter like this, all anybody would be talking about in Pittsburgh is exactly what they were talking about in Chicago yesterday, which is, wow, they're actually going to get rid of those guys. They're going to bring in prospects. We're going to start all over again. Some will be in favor. Some will be opposed. But it's a heck of a thing to see when that happens because it's not easy. The Hawks have stuck with this group for a long, long time. The Los Angeles Kings stuck with their group, still, still have. Andre Kopitar, Drew Doughty, Jonathan Quick, Jeff Carter, all these guys were the main guys on L.A.'s championship teams. They're still there. They're still integral pieces of the Kings, even though the Kings have been awful. Anytime anybody's trying to make a case for the Penguins rebuilding, they'll bring up who? Hawks and Kings. Hawks and Kings again and again and again. I don't know where this is going to go for the Blackhawks because if they sent this letter out to basically justify moving a goaltender, in, in my opinion anyway, that's always been uh, overrated in Corey Crawford and Brandon Saad, who'd already been traded once, that wouldn't make much sense. If the Hawks sent this out as a precursor to Taves and Kane or even as a reaction to Taves publicly criticizing the trade of Crawford, you're into a different dynamic here. What does this mean for the Penguins right now? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. I have spoken with the people who run the Pittsburgh Penguins on and off the record and in all different capacities at different levels. You're not about to see a Sid and Gino or even a Chris Letang get moved anytime soon. Uh, they believe in them. They believe that they've still got... Not good, but great hockey in them. But one of these days, one of these days, this letter, this letter that I just read to you, 
is going to come to you, and it's going to be a heck of a day when that comes. Before we go today, a reminder that our friends at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank have a special drive happening right now that you can read all about at growsharethrive.org. I'm going to give you that address one more time. Just like it sounds, growsharethrive.org. Just type the three words right after each other, no punctuation. Every $10 donation is matched by an additional five through this drive that they have. And that makes a big, big difference. If you want to know how much, consider this. $1 is all it takes to provide enough food for up to five meals. $1 does that. Thanks so much uh, for listening to this today. This was a little bit of a, a different show. It's all right. It's all right. We can do different shows, too. Let's try another one tomorrow. Your front door, your car, your gym locker, your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.